I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to open in prayer today. I came across this prayer um, during my devotionals this week, and the more I got to thinking about it, uh, the more it spoke to me. And so I just took it and revised it a little bit. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. You can stand there and look at me, or you can bow your head and close your eyes, however you feel led. But even though I'm reading this, this is a prayer, and it does come from my heart. Lord, uh, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom in how I use the time you've given me. I need your wisdom in how I use the resources that you've blessed me with. And I need your wisdom in my relationships. Help me to not compromise my integrity in relationships. Help me to not antagonize people's anger. Help me not to say or do things just to get even. Help me not to minimize other people's feelings, but to respect them, whether or not I agree with them. And help me to not be defensive and criticize other people's suggestions, but be responsible and willing to discuss things. Help me to not emphasize other people's mistakes, but instead to show mercy, because I need mercy. Help me to forgive others, because I need you to forgive me. Help me to not nag others about their past or the things that are behind us. Help me to not disguise my weaknesses because I want to learn to be open and honest instead. Lord, please give me your wisdom and work in and through me every day to make wise decisions in how I relate to other people. Jesus, I don't understand it all, but there's a hole in my heart that I realize only you can fill. I recognize that I was made to be loved by you and to have a relationship with you. So today I want to do my part in growing that relationship. I want you to be real and a present focus in every part of my life and my heart. I want to be a part of the family you've created. I want to give my life to helping others who need you by showing them what your love has done for me in whatever ways I can. I want to live out your purpose for my life. So help me to understand and grow into the person that you have designed me to be. I want to live a life of wisdom, and I know I can only do that with you at the center of my life. Thank you for your gift of salvation, and thank you for loving me, and thank you for the oceans of grace and the countless mercies that are new every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. Is that all right? Yeah. So welcome to Next. I'm glad that you're here. You honor us by your presence, and I, I just, I'm always appreciative of your time and your attention. Podcasters, thank you for listening in as well. I don't say any of that flippantly. I'm just, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that you would choose to be here, so thank you. I hope that you're encouraged and inspired by what you hear today, but I also want you to be challenged and hope that you will use what you hear today to grow and maybe make some changes as well. Thank you, Steve and Sarah Elsenrath, for the cheesy sausage stromboli goodness that we've enjoyed this morning. I do appreciate that. It was so good. If you came in this morning and there was hot coffee available, thank Steve and Sarah Elsenrath. And if you had some stromboli, thank them as well. But uh, yes, indeed. And Troy and Lisa, for all of the stuff that you guys do, hospitality-wise, just making sure everything's set up and ready to go. And our media booth folks, Nathan, Christy, Renita, and Greg, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. 
So over the last six weeks, we've been spending some time adjusting our focus, and it has been supposed to be in uh, a preemptive strike against the chaos and, and hurry and bustle of the holiday season. Uh, to help us do that, we've been spending some time pulling some material from the book by Craig Grishel, Weird, because normal isn't working. And we've talked about our focus on time the first few weeks. And then the last week, we started talking about money. So time and money, right here close to the holidays, the only thing that would make it more fitting is if we talked about relationships just in time for you to spend time with family. I don't know that we'll get there, but it is part of the book, so we'll see. But I do want you to stay focused on what matters during the holiday season. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 has been our key verse uh, over this little mini-series. Let's look at that again together. Do you have it up there for me, Christy? Let's, y'all read this with me. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. My few readers died out by the time we were over. So, so okay, I'm not going to make you go back and do it again. Many are on the road to destruction. Lots and lots of normal people. Not because they're evil. They're not evil. They're not bent on doing bad. They're just living life like everybody else lives life. It's normal life. They're walking the same path that everybody else is on. I mean, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to know exactly what to do in life. You watch other people. You kind of learn from what they do. Jesus said there's a lot of people, a lot of people on a broad road, but the problem is, is where it leads. It leads to destruction. But there are a few people, he says, that are on the road to life. There's a few weird people that are on a very small, narrow road to life. Weird people We've talked about this over the last few weeks. Weird people discern what God calls them to accomplish rather than just mindlessly adding on everything that looks good to their plate. Weird people discern what God calls them to accomplish. Weird people know when and how to rest and acknowledge their limitations and acknowledge their total dependence on God. Weird people know that being rich is always a moving target and a shifting standard. And that all of those Bible passages that talk about wealthy people and rich people, talking about you and talking about me. And then last week, we talked about a subject that everyone loves. We talked about debt. Yeah, stress is such a normal part of our culture's interaction with money. But Proverbs 21 and 20 says this. Y'all remember this? In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. The wise, not the rich, not the wealthy, not the loaded. The wise have more than enough in their house. And I, I pulled a, uh, a little excerpt from one of, the, one of the greatest books ever written, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And Charlie, remember, wants to sell his golden ticket because his family needs the money. And Charlie's grandfather tells him, and this is a quote, there's plenty of money out there, Charlie. They print more of it every day. But this ticket, there's only five of them in the whole world, and that's all there's ever going to be. Only a dummy would give this up for something as common as money. Are you a dummy, Charlie? 
Godliness with contentment is a rare thing. It's weird, but there's plenty of money. If we want to be different and if we want to be better than normal, then we have to live differently. We have to change our focus and be a little weird because this is the one life that God has given you. And you don't get another one. So are you going to trade this one life that you have been given for something as common as money? Are you a dummy? I'm trying really hard to not be one. But I don't know about you, sometimes I just tend to get caught up, right? It's that drift that we've talked about. We've got to change our focus and be a little weird because we're not going to get another life, and I don't want to be a dummy with the one that I have. Finally, last week, we talked about the secret to debt-free living. You know, debt, it always feels like it's an income problem. It's an income problem, but it's not an income problem. It's a lifestyle problem. It's a heart problem. It's a spiritual problem. The secret to getting out of debt, do you all remember? What is it? There's no secret. Just like the secret to losing weight and keeping it off, right? You have to make some changes in how you eat and how active you are. If you want to get out of debt and stay out of debt, you have to make some changes, to how much you spend, how much you make. There's no quick fix. But if we know the solution, then what keeps us from implementing? This is just review from last week. Why do, if we know what the solution is, why don't we implement it? It's because it's a deeper issue than just knowledge. It's not a problem with knowing what to do. It's a spiritual problem. The secret is understanding Proverbs 15 and 16 and actually living it because it says this, better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. It's better to have a little with God than a whole lot without God. It's better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than more of what everyone else has better than being normal. So that's just review. Just review. Let's talk about a generous eye fitting for Christmas time. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we live. I don't have a cool story like this one, but uh, so I'll just have to tell Craig's, but he, re- he relates the story of a conversation that he overheard two of his young children having in the back seat one day. How many of you know there can be some real truth dropped by your kids during those conversations that happen in the back seat? Yeah. Sometimes they'll tell you stuff you don't want to hear. This is what was going on. Uh, two girls, Jojo and Bookie, they were five and six respectively at the time. And Craig says he heard Bookie say, Joy, you've got to give your money to charity. When you give your money to charity, you're giving it to God. And Joy said, I'm not giving my money to charity. And Bookie said, please, Joy, you have to give your money to charity. Giving your money to charity is like giving it to God. And Jojo said, I'm not giving my money to charity. And Bookie said, please, Jojo, please, please, please give your money to charity, even just some of it, and you'll be giving it to God. And Jojo said, look, Bookie, I'm not giving anything to charity. I don't even know who charity is. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't like her anyway. Charity is not getting any of my money. Maybe you feel like Jojo sometimes. It's not easy to get the things that we have. 
I haven't found that to be the case. I don't know about y'all, but Julia and I have worked really hard to get and maintain the lifestyle that we've grown accustomed to living. There's been a lot of years spent in school and years spent in a career to get the things that we have. I don't know of any trust fund babies in here. There might be some. If you are, you're doing a great job flying beneath the radar, but I don't think there are any trust fund babies in here. So I think most of you in here probably fit in that same description. What you have, you've worked hard to get, and you work hard to keep it. And that means that it's perfectly normal to feel entitled to keep what's ours. Boy, y'all, are y'all just sleepy today, or is this making y'all that uncomfortable? But the Bible consistently and directly indicates that when we give generously, we're serving, honoring, and glorifying God. Because after all, generosity is fundamental to God's nature. For God so loved the world that he kept it all for himself. For God so loved the world that he gave some, but remained comfortable. For God so loved the world that he gave a little, but kept some back for a rainy day just in case. His nature is generosity. It says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, something very precious. Let's talk about keeping your eye on the prize. Keeping your eye on the prize. Proverbs 22 and 9 in the New King James says this, He who has a generous eye will be blessed. That's pretty straightforward. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. I love that, that the way that's worded, a generous eye, because it's easy to understand. You know, business owners, they have, uh, typically have an eye for the best deal. Designers who have an eye for color or an eye for the, for the right line. Accountants have an eye for details. Leaders have an eye for the big picture. But all of us can have a generous eye. What would you see if you looked at the world through generous eyes? I want you to stop and think about that for just a minute. If you looked at the world with generous eyes, what would you see? I don't know how all of that vision would look, but one part of it would be that you would notice the needs that escape the attention of other people. You would see things that other people don't see. Seeing with a generous eye would color your thinking beyond yourself. And you would start to say things like, God, who can I bless in this present situation? In my present situation, where I am right now, with what I have right now, who can I bless? What do I have right now that I could use to make a difference? What's the need here? And what could I do to meet it? Now, we know that the Bible teaches that the more we give away, the richer we become. So, does that mean we're back to the, to the prosperity gospel? Giving only so that we can get more in return? Here, Jesus, here's my $20. Where's my Lexus? I tithed real good this month. What you going to give me? 
Not only is that a bad attitude about giving, but it's not what the Bible teaches. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 in the NIV says this, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The blessing, the running over, watch this, may not be material. What that scripture means is that there is a relationship between giving what we have and receiving God's blessing. When you give, you will be blessed. When you give, it will be given back to you. But be careful because this truth that's expressed here in Luke chapter 6, 38, it, it, it's not an investment strategy for manipulating God like you would the stock market. We're promised a blessing if we give generously, but not a big paycheck. You see the difference? We're promised a blessing if we give generously, but we're not promised a big paycheck, a big payout at some point. Not all of the blessings that God has in store for you have to do with money. Instead, they might be riches of the Spirit. Things like peace, joy, patience. You can't put a price on those. Or you could be blessed with gifts that money can't buy. Things like a loyal spouse. Put a price tag on that. Healthy children. Forgiveness for your mistakes. Kind of need that one. Respect from your peers. How about that? A job that you love, waking up in the morning in your right mind and able to get yourself out of bed under your own power. In God's economy, you may even harvest a crop in places that you never even planted a seed. However that blessing comes, rest assured, God is going to bless you for your giving most in the areas of your life where you need it most. You know why? Because He's a good Father. And good fathers are very much in tune with the needs of their children. And so what they ask for might not be the thing that I give them because I've got more insight into what it is they actually need. Wherever the blessing comes, and whether you recognize it or not, just keep in mind that God cares much more about what happens in our hearts than He cares about what happens in our bank accounts. He cares much more about our attitudes than he does our credit scores. Giving changes me. Giving changes you. Giving frees us up and it undermines the power that money and possessions tend to exert over our humanity. And of course, it makes us more like him. Y'all doing okay? All right. Would you know that you are blessed to be a blessing? You're blessed to be a blessing. Why does God bless us? Well, you just said we're blessed to be a blessing. But, I mean, really, why does, why does God bless us? I like that answer, Katie. He loves us. Yes. Why else does God bless us? We're His children. He knows what we need. How about this one as a testimony to other people? To make other people, wow. There's something 
that, that, that person, Renita's got something. They, they see the way that God has blessed you, and it, and it makes them notice. God blesses us. <laughs> Let me give you Groeschel's take. It says, God blesses us to change us and to reshape us and to undo the damage that we do to ourselves by settling for a normal life. I was like, what? Let me read that again. God blesses us to change us and reshape us and to undo the damage that we do to ourselves by settling for a normal life. God blesses us so that we can be different, so that we can be weird. 2 Corinthians 9-11 says this, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Notice what he didn't say. We played this game last week. I always think it's cool to figure out or to look at what Scripture didn't say. We're talking about money. Notice he didn't say, you will be made rich in finances. You will be made rich in monetary resources. It's not what it says. It says, you will be made rich in every way. So I looked this up. The Greek word for every way that's used there in that scripture is pas, P-A-S. And you know what it means? It means every. <laughs> every, any, all, the whole, all things are everything. Most people, and, and even believers, tend to pursue only material blessings Next, peeps, y'all listen to me today. If our only definition of riches, if our only definition of blessings is what comes to us in the form of money, then we're missing out on most of what God has to offer. Every way, every way, you will be blessed in every way. That includes relationally, emotionally, relational and emotional richness psychological and physical richness and look you can you can imagine all of the ways that you can be blessed financial and material blessings are certainly included in that but there's literally dozens of ways that God can bless you dozens of categories and people see you being blessed in every way and that makes you different that makes you not normal it makes you weird and because you are blessed in every way out of your extra out of the excess that you have, you give to others in a way that is different and not normal and weird. You are blessed in every way, so you can be weird in every way. This is a, this is a real departure from the mindset of what's in it for me. And it gives you a freedom that normal people don't have. Miserable people... Notice happy people. Bound people, notice free people. So whenever you're weird, people that are normal are going to notice. Right? So look, and, and we're, we're going to be done here pretty soon. Looking at people and situations with a generous eye is not something that comes naturally to me. Now, there are some of you in here, you've got hearts the size of Texas, and it just pours out of you. 
And it's not that I'm jealous of you. I just don't understand you. That's, that's just, it's not, it's not the way that, that comes, it's not what comes naturally to me. That's probably the safest way to say it. I don't want to be too self-incriminating here today. But the only way for you to get good at something that you're not naturally good at is to practice. Forgive the carnal reference here. Steve Bunch might be the only other person here that appreciates this, not because it's carnal, but because it has something to do with guitars. I just want to clarify that for you. Eric Clapton. Who's heard of Eric Clapton? The guy, he can play guitar a little bit. And there was an interview where someone asked him, uh, you know, what's it like just to be so amazingly gifted on the guitar that you can just, you can play any style, you can do anything that you want to do. And he said, I, I'm, I've got to stop you. He said, because I have no natural talent for the instrument at all. Everything that I can do with a guitar has come through practice, practice, practice. I read those lines whenever I was about 24, 25 years old, and that's what kept me from burning my guitar. Because I said, okay, if Eric Clapton will say, that everything he can do has been through practice, practice, and practice. Maybe I'll keep mine. One day, it, it hasn't worked for me, but I don't know that I've practiced as much as Clapton has. If you want to get good at, at, at shooting free throws, you know what you have to do? You got to shoot free throws. Throwing a football 50 yards isn't going to work for you. You've got to shoot free throws. You've got to practice the thing that you want to get better at. The only way to cultivate a generous eye is to practice, to look for opportunities and then give in to them. Y'all remember back at the beginning of the year whenever we were talking about what service looks like? You remember this, the, these lines? See a need and meet it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Remember that? To generate a, or to cultivate a generous eye, is, it means you've got to look for opportunities and then give in to them. Don't talk yourself out of them. So let me talk to you, and I don't know if you're taking notes. Maybe, Carol, i got one person. If you're taking notes today, let me, let me give you something real practical. Okay, three levels of giving. Three levels of giving, and we'll call these the 3D glasses of generosity. Three levels of giving. And, and here's the first one. The first level of giving is spontaneous giving. Spontaneous giving. And this means that you see a need and you just you pounce on it and you fill it. It's the homeless man at the intersection that you give money to or a gift card to. You know about a family that doesn't have transportation, so you loan them your extra car. There's a missionary who comes through and talks about the, the great revival that's sweeping through their country, and you give money to their church building program. This is, this is the first level of giving. It's spontaneous giving, and it's characterized by impulse, by immediate need. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it's, it's limited because it's not a deliberate lifestyle commitment, it's a reaction. And it's typically an emotional reaction at that. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it. I just want you to understand that there are higher levels of giving than this first one. 
this first one gets a lot done, but we could do more. See, typically what happens is we feel compassion for that homeless man. So we give him $5 at the intersection or a $10 McDonald's gift card so he won't go spend that money on Lord knows what. But then after that, we don't really think about it again. We're not strategic about that. It's a reaction. We feel guilt about the extra car that we've just got sitting around, so we loan it to that family. We feel pity for places and for people that don't have church buildings. So it's spontaneous. It's often emotionally driven. And here's the deal. We rarely think about it again after that moment passes. Spontaneous givers are weird. How many of you have done that? Okay. Well, you're weird. But you can be weirder. All right? Here we go. This is the second level of giving. This is strategic giving. Strategic giving. Strategic givers plan ahead so that they can be really generous. Do you hear what I just said? People actually plan ahead so that they can be generous in the future. They're intentional. They think it through. Isaiah 32 and 8 says this. Watch this. Generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. Strategic givers, these second level givers, they ask, they ask weird questions. They ask weird questions like this. How can we be more generous? How can I be more generous? How can I maximize the blessings that I have so that I can be a blessing to others? Where are we giving? What are we giving to? Are we seeing any impact in those areas? Do we need to make a change and give to something else instead? How much do we have left to give? How much more do we need to give going forward? These are weird questions. Strategic givers don't simply react to, an, uh, to the emotion or the overt need that's underneath their noses. The strategic giver realizes that giving is not something that we do. Generous is who we are. And their lifestyle reflects their generous identity. So then there's a third level. I'm not even there yet. I'm not, I'm not to level two yet. Third level. Third level is like the full-on, super high-def, IMAX experience of giving. Sacrificial givers. These people see possessions as tools that God provides in order to advance His kingdom on earth. That's weird. Sacrificial giving doesn't mean you just, just toss everything to the wind and, and, and have nothing and, well, I'm just going to live on faith until something. Mm -mm. That's not what it's about. It means that you trust God and have no problem letting go of what He has temporarily given you to take care of. Sacrificial givers understand and embrace the role of steward of the things that they have. It's not mine. I'm a manager. I'm a steward. 
Sacrificial givers keep an eternal perspective of the possessions that they manage. Sacrificial givers think of others more often than they think of themselves. So let's get down to brass tacks. When you hear normal people in our culture say stuff like, I just, I want to give. I just don't really have enough to give. I want to give, but I, I just, I'm not in a position right now where I can do that. What they're actually saying is they don't feel like they have enough extra, enough left over so that they could give without having to adjust their lifestyle. Ooh. I felt that like, like right here. Whenever people say, whenever we say, I'd really like to give to that, but I just, I'm not really in a position to do that right now. What I mean is, and what you mean is, what we all mean is, I would really like to be able to give to that out of my extra so I don't have to adjust my current lifestyle. Come on, Coop, it's like almost, it's almost Christmas. I didn't come here for that today. I came here for cheese, stromboli, and some coffee. Look, that's, that's, it's normal. It's normal. That is, it's normal. But the truth is that you always have something that you can give. Of course, the less you have, the more your sacrifice means. You know, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus made the example out of the widow giving all that she had. Y'all know, you remember that story? She gave all that she had. She, she was poor. She had very little, and she gave all that she had, and it made a, this profound impact on Jesus. Now, I'm just going to say that if you're impressing Jesus with your giving, you're doing something. If Jesus is like, whoa, did you see that? You've really done something. She really did something that day. Now, maybe you're not quite there yet. Look, I'm, I got you. <laughs> I'm with you, fam. I'm not there yet either. But every one of us can give something. So here's what you do. Now I'm going to make you feel better. Make you feel better. Start where you are. Because we'll discount where we are and what we can give right now because it seems to be so little compared to what we really want to be able to give or to compare to what the size of the need may be but start where you are so if you haven't been giving at all then start give spontaneously look for a need that you can meet and meet it but don't stop there start saving start cutting back so that you'll have more that you can give Maybe don't go to Starbucks five days a week. Oh. I think my size ten and a half might have just found somebody's toe. Maybe don't go out to eat every Sunday that month. I'm, I'm just trying to put out some practical ideas so that we can start almost said so that you can start, but I need to be transparent, so that we can start 
with a generous eye. Look for a need that you can meet and meet it and start saving, start cutting back, watch for opportunities, plan, pray, and then start giving strategically. Because look at this. Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry about this one. I'm just going to tell you all right now. But just as you know how to think about how to get the things you want, consider how to look ahead so that you can give even more and in some life-impacting ways so that you can go beyond spontaneous giving and do more than spontaneous giving can accomplish. I don't think y'all heard what I said because nobody winced or reacted. You know whenever there's something that you really want, you start to think about, how can I get what it is I want? And so what you do is you start putting together a plant. Well, if we just cut back a little bit here, or if I'm do you know, my little side hustle a few more times a weekend and pull in some extra money there. You start thinking about what are the opportunities available to me so that I can get what it is that I want. I told you I was sorry in advance. So if we can do that, if we can sit there and think about and plan for ways so that we can get what we want, that means... Ergo, we can sit there and think about and plan ways so that we can give to the needs that maybe haven't even been presented to us yet. Now that would be weird. But don't stop there. Get weird. Be willing to feel. To feel it. Study your lifestyle. Figure out how to live on less and how to give more. How about this one? Water where you're planted. Now look, I'm not your pastor, but I'm still going to tell you, tithe your 10%. Because that's where it starts. The tithe is biblical and it is the lowest bar for giving. So if you're not tithing, start. And if you can't come right out of the gate giving 10%, I didn't get in trouble last time I said this, so I'm going to try it again. If you can't come out of the gate giving 10% where you are right now, then that's fine. Give a calculated percentage and remain consistent to it. So maybe you can give 2% this month. And then maybe next month or the month after, you can increase that to 2.5% or 3%. Maybe it takes you six months to get to giving 3% of your income. It just If you're not giving a tithe consistently right now, start somewhere. And I'm going to tell you, I believe God will honor you starting. You might not be at 10% yet, but at least you're moving in that direction. Jesus, please back up what I just said. Just, just start somewhere. And once you, once you have tithing established as this consistent, non-negotiable value in your life, then look beyond your local church for other things that you can help grow. So look, let, let's not make this super complicated. What are some causes that you feel passionately about that could advance God's kingdom? You want to give us an answer? Go ahead. 
time and reaching out. That's wonderful, Celeste. Thank you. Nathan. I believe that. I believe that. So what are some causes that you personally feel passionate about that by giving to them would advance God's kingdom? Just think about it. Where do you see a need that it seems like no one else has noticed? Celeste? Check this one out. Here's a great question. What would you be excited and happy to give to? A missionary who you like because of their passion and vision? There's nothing wrong with that. There have been missionaries that have come through Grace Church, and I'm like, I really like that guy. Let's write a check. There's nothing wrong with that. If you are happy, the <laughs> he loves a cheerful giver. So what are, what are, you have connections with certain people that by giving to them and giving to the things that they're involved in and their ministry would advance the kingdom of God? Give to that. Let's not make it complicated. Maybe there's a city or a country that you've just always loved and appreciated or been fascinated by their culture. Find something that will advance the kingdom of God in that city or country and give to it. Maybe you've got a heart for the elderly that are in assisted living. Maybe you've got a heart for the abused child living in foster care. Maybe it's for veterans who have physical uh, disabilities or PTSD. Maybe those are the things that move your heart. Find a way to give to that that moves the kingdom of God. And maybe it's not UPCI. But move the kingdom of God forward through compassion. My point is this. <laughs> Let me get my point done and we'll be out of here. If you think about it, there is something. There is something that lights your fire. There is something that, that gets, your, gets your ire up. There's something that we, you will give to cheerfully because that need touches a place in your heart that other needs just don't touch. Well, there's a reason for that. Give to it. Listen to it. Pay attention to it. So, all right, I'm done. Next week, Christmas service. No next. What time are we starting next week? 10 o'clock. Okay. The week after that is the 23rd, and there's no Sunday school that day either. What time are we starting that week? 10. Okay, so 10 o'clock on the 16th, 10 o'clock on the 23rd. The week after that is December 30th. Stay tuned, because I don't know what we're going to do yet. Let's pray. Lord, help us to look at the world around us with a generous eye. Show us the needs that other people are missing. Lord, show us how the things that 
ignite the fires of passion in our heart could use what we have to offer in order to move your kingdom forward. You gave, and we thank you for it. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.